Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Thank you so much for being here today, the first Sunday of May. Can you believe that? Amazing. Welcome to SVC, and thank you to everyone who's tuning in online today. Let's worship the Lord together. One, two, one, two, we will sing, 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 and make music with the heavens, we will sing, 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 grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise, lift high the name of Jesus. We will sing, 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 and make music with the heavens. We will sing, 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 grateful, grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Lift high the name of Jesus. What's not to love? What's not to love about you? Heaven and earth adore you. Kings and kingdoms bow down. Son of God, you are the one. Yes, you are. You are the one. We're living for. You are the love that frees us. You are the light that leads us Like a fire burning Son of God, you are the one Yes, you are the one We're living for We will sing, sing, sing And make music with the heavens We will sing, sing, sing Grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Lift high the name of Jesus. What's not to love? What's not to love about you? Heaven and earth adore you. Kings and kingdoms bow down. Son of God, you are the one. Yes, you are the one we're living for. Oh, yes, you are. You're the love. You are the love that frees us. You are the light that leads us. Like a fire burning. Son of God, you are the one. Yes, you are the one we're living for. We will sing, 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 and make music with the heavens. We will sing, 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 grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Lift high the... We will, we will sing, sing, sing. And make music with the heavens. 
we will sing, sing, sing. Grateful, grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Let's hide the name of Jesus. Oh, lift his name up high. He is worthy of our praise, right? Amen. Father, let your kingdom come. Let's sing it. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth, on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. Yeah. On earth as in heaven. Right here in my heart. Give us this day. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. Forgive us. As we forgive the ones who sin against us. Forgive them. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come. We sing, Father. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Oh, Father, Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day, us this day, our daily bread. Forgive us. Forgive us, we forgive the ones who sin against us. Forgive them, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come, and it's yours, Lord. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours, the kingdom. The power, the glory are yours. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours, forever and ever. The kingdom is yours. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours, the ever and power. The glory are yours. It's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. Forever and ever. The kingdom is yours. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. Earth as in heaven. Right here in my heart. Oh, Father, Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth, on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. One more time, church. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. 
earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. On earth, on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. One more time now. Earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Praise God. Praise God indeed. You know, Psalm 103. Verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And if you read through the rest of the psalm, you will see David giving these amazing reasons to worship God. For example, he forgives our sins. He heals our diseases. He redeems our lives from the pit. This is all from Scripture. He crowns us with love and compassion. He satisfies our desires, and he gives righteousness and justice. Matt Redman, who wrote this next song that we're about to do, he said, Matt said, you and I live beneath an unceasing flow of goodness and kindness, greatness and holiness, and every day we are given reason after reason as to why Jesus is so completely and utterly worthy of our highest and best devotion. End quote. <laughs> and I pray that this song encourages your hearts and helps to call, the, call to mind the ways that God has poured out his goodness and his kindness on you. This is called 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul. I'll worship your holy name. Sun comes up. Sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Oh, my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Sing, oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. You're rich in love and You're slow to name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to find bless the Lord bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul Worship His holy name. 
sing like never before. Sing, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and they're forevermore. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, sing, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. One more time, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. I worship, I'll worship your holy name. I'll worship your holy name. You can have a seat, church. Well, good morning, church. Happy Sunday. Right now, this morning, we are going to turn our focus onto revival prayer. So we are currently in a series how the Spirit changes everything. And in Acts chapter 4, Luke describes the believer's prayer. And in this chapter, we find Peter and John, and they are boldly preaching the gospel and healing in the name of Jesus Christ. The rulers called them in and warned them and threatened them to no longer speak to anyone in this name, the name of Jesus. On their release, Peter and John do one thing. They go back to their own people and report all that the elders had had done and said to them. And what do you think the believers did? Well, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. That's what they did. This was their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider this. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand 
to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. Because after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Do we have this kind of prayer? Do we have the kind of prayer that shakes the world? One thing, prayer unleashes the power of God. There's two characteristics that were present in the Apostles' Prayer meeting. God's presence and God's power. The truth is Satan would love to keep Christ's followers from praying. When we don't pray, Satan wins the battle. But when we pray, the presence and the power of God is unleashed. Peter and John asked, will you stretch out your hand, for uh, Lord, and healing for signs and wonders to be formed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus? And the book of Acts records are, show that one example after another of God answering prayer. The power and the presence of God were unleashed through prayer. Samuel uh, Chadwick said this. He says, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from prayer. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil and mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. What was the result of this prayer? A spiritual awakening took place. If we want to see a spiritual awakening in our day, we must pray. Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer reveals. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into men and women of power. It is the key that unlocks the storehouse of God's riches. It is the call that moves heaven to act on the behalf of earth. So right now, we're going to pray. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, you are great and you are holy and you are mighty and you are powerful and nothing is impossible for you. We come before you and we ask for your forgiveness when we are consumed by this world instead of you. And when we have allowed pride and complacency, Lord, to reign in our heart, we we draw near humbly, seeking your forgiveness, seeking your grace. This morning, we want to pray with boldness and we want to pray confidently. And Lord, we pray that you would move in our hearts, move in our churches, Pour your spirit out and may it change our city, change our state, and change our world. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And we ask you to come and we ask you to flood this place. Fill our atmosphere. Lord, shake things up. Draw hearts to you. Open eyes and hearts. And may the hurt, the lost, and the broken find hope and redemption in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you back tonight at 6.30 for revival prayer. We're going to be meeting here, and we're going to pray uh, that God would unleash his power, that he would pray our prayer, hear our prayers, and we're going to pray that our prayers shake things up. So um, right now, greeting. Okay, I'm going to ask you to take a moment and greet somebody next to you and invite them here tonight at 6.30.
All right, folks, let's make our way back to our seats. We've got one more. One more song to do with you before Pastor Gary comes up. Let's remain standing. nothing worth more. Let's sing, church. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, sing it. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Comfort this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit sing it church Holy Spirit you are welcome come love Fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts want. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Once again, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come from this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord.
Your presence. Your presence, Lord. Let us become. Let us become aware of Your presence. Let us experience the glory of Your good. Once more. Let us become aware of Your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come from this place and the atmosphere, your glory. God is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Once more, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come bless this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. Be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, your presence, Lord. Church, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I pray that you would illuminate our hearts what is about to be taught from your word. Help us to be not just hearers of your word today, but doers of your word. Help us to humbly receive your word today and allow it to change us and become more like Jesus. Lord, I pray for Pastor Gary as he preaches. You give him courage and conviction and wisdom. Stand firm on your grace. Faithfully proclaim your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat, everybody.
Can I give you the book of Acts? There's 28 chapters. Can I give it to you in one sentence? I want to give it to you in one sentence. Okay? This is the message of the book of, of Acts. Um, uh, me, uh, the, the message of Acts is this. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit who makes us powerful witnesses for Jesus. It's the Spirit who makes us powerful witnesses for Jesus right where we are. And everywhere we go. Now, why do I say that? Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this. Uh, right at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, but you will receive power, that power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where the disciples were, in all Judea and Samaria, which would be like, let's say our Jerusalem is, is Fairfield, because that's where we're at right now. Let's say that's our Jerusalem. Judea Samaria would be Northern California. And the ends of the earth would be Palestine, Arkansas. Okay? <laughs> so, uh, so, so at the time, uh, at the time that, that Luke was writing, at the time that Jesus spoke those words, the ends of the earth was right here. Okay? But for us, the ends of the earth is somewhere else. But what you need to understand is that the Holy Spirit gives you power. You have power right now. The Holy Spirit gives you power to be witnesses for for Jesus right where you are and everywhere you go. Okay. Um, the reason we're doing this series on the Book of Acts, a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, when when I was a, a young man, um, uh, when I was a young man, God used the Book of Acts powerfully in my life when I was about 16 years old. Uh, when I was 16, I had walked away from God. I still went to church. I had to uh, because I was, quote, unquote, in a Christian family. Uh, I was in a place of complete emptiness, brokenness, a lot of fear, a lot of anger in my life. Um, and uh, I was miserable. You know, I was just miserable. Uh, the, I just kind of numbed my life, uh, smoking as much pot as I could get my hands on. That's what I did. Uh, and then when I was 16, I saw a group of young people who had a love for Jesus, a love for one another, and they had a hope I didn't have. They had a joy I didn't have. They had uh, a sense of meaning and purpose in their life that I didn't have, that I really, really wanted. And so at, when I was 16, I just said, God, I have made a wreck of my life. Uh, I've been running from you. Uh, I numb my pain by smoking a lot of dope. And um, I just feel worthless, empty, and lost. And if you can make a difference in my life, I ask you to do that. And um, God met me in a powerful way. God met me in a powerful way. That next day, I thought, well, I need to start reading my Bible. And uh, to me, I thought, well, I know a little bit about the story of Jesus from the Gospels. And I've read all of that and kind of know those stories. And I just thought, well, I'm going to start in Acts chapter 1. And I just began in Acts chapter 1. I read that the first day. And the next day I read Acts 2 and then 3 and then 4. And I actually read through uh, the book of Acts. And then I read through the rest of the New Testament. Came back, read the Gospels. Then began to read through the Old Testament. And what happened to me in that moment is God, it was like God took the blinders off my eyes. It was like all of a sudden I became alive to the word God. And I saw God begin to work in my life. And, and guess what happened? Guess what happened? I received power. I did. 
I receive power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to be a witness for Jesus, and I begin to lead my friends to Christ. And so one of the guys I used to buy all my dope from, I led him to Christ. One of my other friends who lived two doors down, I led him to Christ. There were other guys in the school who, for different reasons, you know, uh, I just felt like God wanted me to talk to them. And God began to use me to lead people to faith in Jesus. Uh, But the book of Acts had a powerful impact in my life. Uh, The reason that I wanted to do this series on the book of Acts is because uh, it was a little over 30 years ago right now that I was in school at Dallas Seminary, and I was reading and studying through the book of Acts devotionally. And I was asking God, God, how do you want me to invest my life in building your kingdom? And as I was praying that prayer to God, I felt like God said to us, or said to me at that point, Joy and I weren't yet married. We were just beginning today. But I felt like God said to me, I want you to plant a church that makes disciples. I want you to make disciples that plant churches. And I want you to plant churches to reach our world. And so, uh, finished up school. Uh, We looked at a lot of different communities and really believed that God was bringing us here. And so we moved out here uh, to do that. But the other reason why I want to do this series on the book of Acts is because I think you guys need this. I do. I really think you need this. I, I think this is something that is hugely, hugely important that God wants you to not just simply understand, but to understand and live. And I, I believe, I believe, I, in my heart, I believe that this community desperately needs this church to be healthy. I believe that this community desperately needs this church to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we are witnesses right where we are and everywhere we go. I believe that. Um. Let me do a recap, and we're going to open up to Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And and, and just a a quick recap. In Acts chapter 1, remember that Jesus, he was crucified uh, like the day before Passover. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. And according to the scriptures, after he raised from the dead, he appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, repeatedly. He appeared to his disciples with many, can you say many? Many convincing proofs. Not just a few, but many convincing proofs. The Bible tells us on one occasion, he appeared to more than 500 people. So it wasn't just like two or three people who saw the risen Christ. And it wasn't like they just kind of saw him one time. Maybe in a dream. They saw him repeatedly. They saw many convincing proofs. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was teaching them about the kingdom of God. Now, this is really fascinating to me because I hear people say, oh, Peter just stands up in Acts chapter 2 and just kind of magically preaches this sermon. I don't think that's what happened. I think what happened was Jesus had been appearing to Peter and to the others Many times with many convincing proofs, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And the sermon that he preaches on this day is what Jesus taught him. That's what I believe. All right? Um, so, uh, so at the end of 40 days, the Bible tells us that Jesus ascended. He went back uh, to heaven. 
And, uh, and then roughly seven days after this. So you have the crucifixion, roughly third day, he's resurrected, appears for 40 days. So you've got basically 43 days out of there. This is roughly, I believe, seven days after the ascension of Jesus. In that time, the Bible says that they were praying. They were praying. They were, they were all together, 120 people. They were all together with the mother of Jesus, Mary, with his brothers who did not believe in him before but became believers. And, he was with, um, and, and they were praying and they were united in prayer. And then on the seventh day, uh, and we talked about this last week, they're, they're, they're together. They had been praying. And the Bible says that they heard something that sounded, sounded like a mighty rushing wind. We talked about this last week. You can go back watch the message if you want to on YouTube. They heard something like a mighty, uh, powerful wind, uh, rushing wind, and they saw what appeared to be like fire that separated, and there was what looked like tongues of fire that, that hovered over the head of each person that was present. Not just, not just the twelve, but all the people who were present. And the Bible says this, is that they began to, and, and remember, this is the day of Pentecost, when this happens, the day of Pentecost. It's a major festival in Jerusalem. There are people there from every country in the ancient world. And they're all there gathered as Jewish proselytes and as Jews to worship God. And what the scripture says is that when the people in Jerusalem heard what was happening, they all rushed together. Now, how many people rushed together? I'm assuming thousands, and I'll tell you why later. I, I don't think it was just, you know, you know 10, 15 people. I, I think there were thousands. And what happened on that day is... Um, is that they began to speak to, uh, to, to the people who are present in their native tongue. And it says that uh, they were speaking about the mighty acts of God. And so what happens in verse 12 is it says that, well, in, in, in the first part of Acts chapter 2, it says the people were bewildered. It says that they were utterly amazed. It says that they were perplexed. And it says that they were asking, what does this mean? What does this mean? And then there were a few people who were making fun of them, saying that what they're doing is they're just, uh, they've had too much to drink. They've had too much to drink. And so what, 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 what happens in verse 14 is Peter stands up with the twelve and with the others who are there, and he begins to answer the question, what does this mean? So I'm going to read for us Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 41. But before we read the scriptures, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to do something with me. You know, I'm just going to ask you to do something with me. Uh, I think posture and prayer can be really important. I mean, I think you can pray in any posture. You know, I, I don't get on my knees when I drive my car. I pray a lot when I'm in my car, okay? Especially if I think I'm going to be in a wreck or something like that, all right? Um, but what I'm going to ask you to do is, you know, some people pray on their knees. Some people like to pay, pray. You know, the Bible talks about people lying face down and praying. The Bible also talks about people standing with, with raised arms in prayer. But I'm going to ask you to pray with a different posture with me for a moment. What I want you to do is I just want you to put your hands, palms up, on your legs. Okay? Palms up. And I want this to represent something for you, okay? I want this to represent that right now your, your hands are open before God and that you are giving everything to God. 
all that you are. All that you have. If your heart If your heart has pain, you're giving your pain to God. If your heart has joy, you're giving your joy to God. If your heart has gratitude, you're giving your gratitude to God. If your heart has has fear, you're giving your fear to God. If your heart has remorse or brokenness, you're giving it to God. And I just want you to give it to God right now, silently in your own heart. And your hands are open because right now you want to receive from God. You want to receive from God whatever it is He wants to give you. Maybe it's joy in a place of sorrow. Maybe it's forgiveness in the place of guilt or shame. Maybe it's healing instead of brokenness. But right now, you want to receive from God whatever He has to give to you. God, right now, I pray. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come. Fill us and dwell us. Lord, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand your word. Lord, help us to humbly receive the word and plant it. That is able to save our souls. I pray this in the name of Jesus. For the glory of your name. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Peter is preaching before multitudes. Probably well over 3,000 people, maybe 5,000, maybe 10,000. We're not sure. But he's speaking in front of a very, very large group of people. Uh, Acts 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11, the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice. He addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews... Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you, what you have been seeing, what you have been hearing, these Galileans speaking to you about the mighty acts of God in your own language. Let me me explain to you what it is that has you utterly amazed, bewildered, and perplexed. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Every pastor needs to say that every Sunday. Listen carefully to what I say to you. These people are not drunk, as some of you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, this is, these words that Peter is about to say, these are memorized. I believe this was, was drummed into him by Jesus in those 40 days when Jesus was teaching him about the kingdom of God. And he begins to quote this phrase from 
from Joel that was written 500 years before. And what he says is this. In the last days. Can you say last days? Last days. Any of y'all think you're in the last days? You are. You are. The former days were the days before Pentecost. Okay, just so we're clear on this. The last days, you know, when people talk about the last days, often they think, oh, Jesus is going to come right now, next week, this morning, whatever. Okay? And all of that may be very well true. But understand that the last days, it's not something future. The last days begin with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we're reading about today. That, that, and, and understand this too. Joel is writing about something that the Old Testament saint, the Old Testament follower of God, did not yet experience. They hadn't experienced this. But this is something that's new and different that began at Pentecost. That's why I say Pentecost is not a repeatable event. You're not going to begin the last days a second time. Okay? And he begins by saying this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. What is happening in the text before this? The mighty rushing wind. The, the, the flames of fire. The outpouring of the Spirit. And Peter's saying, what you are now witnessing is what Joel spoke of 500 years ago. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Okay? It's not just your sons. It's not just your daughters. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. It's not just for sons. It's not just for daughters. It's not just for young men. It's not just for old men. Even on my servants, verse 18, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, as you read through the book of Acts, pause. Listen to me for a moment, please. As you read through the book of Acts, you're going to see people prophesying in the name of Jesus. You're going to see people proclaiming Jesus to people who are lost. As you read through the book of Acts, you're going to see some dreams. You're going to see some visions. All right? You're going to see all of that. It's the beginning of the last days. It is the inauguration of the last days. Yesterday, there was coronation of a new king. In England, we have in our country the inauguration of a new president. This was the inauguration of the last days. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on God's people. That is a one-time, unrepeatable event. The same, th- same way the crucifixion is, the same way the resurrection is. But just as the crucifixion will not be repeated, but has ongoing impact, just as the resurrection will not be repeated, but has ongoing effect, so the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has an ongoing effect, not just for the people of God then, but the people of God today. God still gives His Spirit to His people. Verse 19. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Oh, interesting. Wonders in the heavens, signs uh, on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. Very interesting. Apocalyptic language. Very apocalyptic language, okay? 
The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon uh, to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. So, very, very quickly, let me just say to you, these first two verses, 17 and 18, are talking about the inauguration, the beginning of the last days. I believe that verses 19 and 20 are talking about the consummation or the end of the last days. Now, why do I say that? As you read through the book of Acts, you don't see, uh, you, you don't see, uh, you don't see blood, fire, and billows of smoke. You don't see the sun turning dark. You don't see the moon looking like blood. You don't see that. But you know where you do see that? That's right, Revelation chapter 6 and elsewhere. See, that's the, and a lot of times when people talk about the last days, they're talking about Revelation. But the truth is, is we have been in the last days for 2,000 years. How much longer are we going to be in the last days? Yeah. (laughs) Jesus said this, it's not for you to know the times and epochs that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you shall be my witnesses. Mm -hmm. In other words, quit all your prophecy conferences and get out, start talking to your neighbors about Jesus, your friends, your family members. Start being a witness right where you're at. Because you have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21. uh, I believe this verse is one of the most quoted uh, verses from the Old Testament and the New Testament. But what Joel says and what Peter repeats, uh, repeats is he says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter is answering a question for them. What does all of this mean? And he's telling them this is... The fulfillment, the beginning of the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And what you need to do right now is you need to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. You need to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. That's what you need to do. You need, you need, you need to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Um, Verse 22. Peter goes on to say, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Uh, Real quickly here, Jesus was a man accredited by God. They They saw for themselves. Jesus was attested to them. He was proven to them. He was displayed to them by God to be uh, who he claimed to be through the, 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 the wonders, signs, and miracles that were done through Jesus. All right? And this is something the people of Jerusalem saw. They saw Jesus perform these miracles. The people in Galilee saw Jesus do these miracles. The people of Judea saw Jesus do the miracles. He was accredited by God to them. By the miracles that God did through him. Verse 23. This man... Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan. So just, I just want you to understand very quickly that God has a deliberate, preordained uh, plan according to his foreknowledge. Okay? That, that God, this is a pre-thought-out plan by God. This is not something God's making up on the go. He's not Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm making it up as I go. That God had and has an eternal... He has 
in, in eternal, um, deliberate plan. Okay? And, and that involved the crucifixion. And he says, you, speaking to the, the people in Jerusalem, you, with the help of wicked men, wicked men would have been the Roman soldiers, you, with the help of wicked men, put Jesus to death by nailing him to the cross. Okay? Now, what Peter's doing here is he is just saying, look, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. He's, he's like, you put Jesus to death on the cross. You know who put Jesus on the cross? It's according to the plan of God, but I did. I did. Every selfish thought and act I've ever had put Jesus on the cross. It's as if by my very hands, I took the spike, and with a hammer, I drove that spike through the hands and the feet of Jesus. I am guilty before God. I need to be saved. You put him to death. Verse 24, good news, but God raised him from the dead. Freeing Jesus from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Can you say impossible? Impossible. It was impossible. It is impossible for death to hold Jesus down. So David, uh, y'all remember David? He used to be, he was the second king of Israel, lived about a thousand years before Jesus. Actually an ancestor of Jesus. He wrote many of the Psalms, about half of the Psalms, about half of them. Uh, many of the Psalms were written by other people. And, um, and so Peter says here, David said, in the book of Psalms, David said, I saw the Lord always before me. Now, who is the I? Who is the I? Now, you know, you might think, well, it would be David, right? Because David was writing, and that would be wrong. The, the, the word I here, these are the words of the Messiah. The Messiah is speaking, and he says, I saw the Lord, the Lord, who would that be? Well, the Lord God. I, the Messiah, saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. A thousand years before the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah said to God the Father, You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will let your Holy One, that's the Messiah, you will not let your Holy One see decay. My flesh isn't going to rot in the grave. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Again, I believe, I believe that when Jesus was teaching the twelve and teaching the disciples about the kingdom of God, what he was doing is he was revealing to them and opening up their hearts and minds to understand the Old Testament scriptures so that they saw that all of the scriptures of the Old Testament were speaking about him. Peter says this. He says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. What he's saying here is that, see, these are not the words of David. I can tell you that that David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. I visited it when I was in Jerusalem. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. That would be Jesus. 
seeing what was to come, David, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. We saw the resurrected Jesus. That's what Peter is saying. Verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, he, Jesus, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And what, what, what Peter is doing, he's answering the question. He's answering the question, what does this mean? We see all these people speaking to us in our native tongues about the mighty acts of God. Uh, and he's saying that, that uh, this is what they're, they're seeing, this, the, this outpouring of the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 34, for David did not ascend to heaven. David didn't ascend to heaven. But the Messiah did. Remember, we talked about the ascension, you know, how he was lifted up into heaven. Uh, David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord, the Lord, meaning the Lord God, God the Father, said to my Lord, the Messiah, the Son of God, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So God has taken, God the Father has made all the enemies uh, of Jesus all the enemies of the Messiah, like a footstool uh, uh, under his feet. And, um, and then Peter says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other, uh, other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this, Peter is answering the question, what does this mean? But now he's going to answer for, for them this question, what shall we do? Okay, what shall we do? Peter says this, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, repent and be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, let's pause for a moment. Let's pause for a moment. Let me give you some context. Let me give you some context here real quick. This is important. Uh, because we always interpret the Scriptures contextually. We always interpret Scripture contextually. We always interpret a verse in light of a chapter, or a chapter in light of a book. We always interpret contextually. We, we, we based upon, well, I'm not going to get into that. So what, what's happening here is this word baptism probably has a meaning in your head. Forget about that for a moment, okay? Think about this like a Jew. How did Jews think about baptism 2,000 years ago? Until you can answer that question, you don't know what Peter's saying, okay? 2,000 years ago, if you were a Gentile, a Gentile who wanted to become a Jew, what did they do? They baptized you. You were baptized. You were given a new identity as a Jew. You were baptized into Judaism. That's what you were being baptized into. But here what Peter is saying is be baptized in the name of Jesus. He's saying that you as Jews need to be baptized. It's not just the Gentiles who need to be baptized into to Judaism. It is you as Jews who need to be baptized into Jesus. Does this make sense for you? Okay, hopefully that helps a little bit. I just think it's important. All right? 
Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What you are seeing and hearing right here, right now. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, lest you think that I preach too long, it's important that we read verse 40. With many other words. Just want you to know I'm not the only guy here who's got a problem with this clock, okay? With many other words, he, Peter, warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. By the way, that is, that is a phrase to every generation to every believer of every generation. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. So I gave you some notes uh, when you came in. Either I did or Steve did. Um, Let me just... I feel like we need to close. I I feel like we need to close, but... uh, Real quickly, uh, just, I'm just going to hit the, the highlights of this real fast, okay? I'm just going to give you the points, okay? Number one, Pentecost marked the beginning of the last days with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, okay? We kind of covered that. You, you remember hearing that? So Pentecost marked the beginning of the last days with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Number two, Jesus was attested by God. He was attested by God for all to see through the miracles, wonders, and signs that God did through him. That he was attested. And, and he, he, it, this word, apodiknumi, excuse me, I didn't say it cor- correctly, but basically it means to display publicly, to prove, to exhibit, to attest, to accredit, to show up for all to see, to make manifest and clear to all. That's what it means. That, that G- Jesus was clearly shown to be uh, that he was accredited by God through, through miracles, wonders, signs. Okay, number three. Jesus was crucified according to God's deliberate plan. God planned it out. This was a part of a plan of God. God has a plan. And nothing and no one is going to stop him. Okay? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, You know, this was a part of his plan. Number three, or number four, uh, Jesus was crucified, but God raised him from the dead. It's pretty important. Most of us already know that, but just important. Number five, the resurrection of Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. We see this in the words of David in the book of Psalms where he talks about that I will not abandon you. Uh, God, uh, the Messiah says, you will not abandon me to the, the realm of the dead. You will not allow your Holy One, the Messiah, to see decay. That he had prophesied that, that the resurrection of Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Number six, God has exalted Jesus to his right hand. And has given him uh, the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus poured out on his people on that day, and whom he pours out on every person when they put their faith, their hope in Jesus. Okay? Um, God made Jesus both Lord and Messiah, meaning that he placed all of the enemies of the Messiah under his feet uh, as a footstool. Okay? Uh, And then finally, number eight, we need to repent. Who needs to repent? We. we. Not just them then, but we now need to repent. Okay? It means that we need to uh, turn from our sin and turn to Jesus. 
It means that we need to uh, turn from our sin and turn to Jesus in faith. We need to repent. We need to be baptized. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, real quickly, real quickly, I closed my Bible. Why did I do that? Verse 38 in chapter 2, a lot of people get stuck on this verse. It says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, um, some people read this, and they believe it means that it's not enough simply to repent to be forgiven of your sin. You must repent, and you must be baptized. Okay? Do you see why they might think that by reading this verse? Okay. Uh, so, very, very quickly, very, very quickly, let me see if I can explain this to you. Uh, in your notes, Carolyn, come borrow your notes for a moment, please. Uh, because I knew I was not going to have time to really explain to you verse 38. I put down here, Stan Toussaint was one of my professors when I was at Dallas Seminary. Stanley Toussaint was an awesome guy. He was a fantastic man. Still is. He's with Jesus now. Uh, but I, I, I gave to you what, what Dr. Toussaint uh, shared with us. I also wrote down here, uh, put down here for you the remarks of Howard Marshall. Okay? Top-notch, you know, theologian, Bible scholar. But I, I believe that it requires a measure of concentration when you read it. But I think an intelligent 14-year-old can read this and understand it. Okay? So I think you can too. And then uh, the words of Richard Longnecker, another New Testament scholar, really, really good guy. Uh, and here's what you do is when you read it, if you don't understand it, this is what you do, okay? You read it a second time. That's what you do. And if you read it and you don't understand it the second time, this is what you do. You read it a third time, all right? That's what you do. I do this all the time. I read the Bible multiple times. I will read whatever passage I'm reading that day, oftentimes two, three times, sometimes four times. But I read it. I read it again. I read it again. I read it until I understand it. As a young man struggling with whether or not I believed in God while working as a missionary in Eastern Europe, which is really hard to do. It's hard to be a missionary in a foreign country when you're not sure if you believe in God or not. But I went through a Bible, a kind of a crisis of faith, when I was really having a lot of doubts about my own relationship with God and then began to doubt God himself, I began to read a book by a guy named Francis Schaeffer called The God Who Is There. Uh, the first time I read it, I understood a little bit of it, kind of got it, and I kind of thought, okay, I kind of am getting this, but I, not really. So what did I do? I read the book a second time. I felt like I understood it better. Then I read the book a third time. There are some things that are worth reading more than one time. And sometimes what people do is they don't quickly understand something and they give up. You never accomplish anything by giving up. Okay? You're never going to accomplish anything by giving up. You're never going to learn anything by giving up. But when you work at something, you get what you you work for. Okay? Uh, They explain verse 38 quite well. Thank you, Carol. Appreciate that. Uh, Very, very quickly, this is what I'm going to say. When you interpret Scripture, you always interpret Scripture with Scripture. Over and over and over again, we see throughout the Scriptures, particularly in the New Testament, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Not by human works. The, the thief on the cross, you remember him? The thief on the cross? The thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me today, or remember me in your kingdom. 
And what did Jesus say to him? Oh, shucks. Sucks to be you. That's what Jesus said, right? You haven't been baptized. You're going to hell. No. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. We always interpret what is less clear by what is more clear. But hopefully, by reading these things, it will help you. I, and I apologize for saying sucks in church. I shouldn't say that. I'm saying that Jesus said it. But th- I'm trying to make a point here. I'm trying to make a point is I do believe that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. By the way, you know, is it faith or is it repentance? Sometimes in the, in the scriptures you read the word repent. Sometimes you read the word faith. Anybody got a quarter? Anybody got a quarter? Nobody? Nobody's got a quarter. Okay, okay, okay. So on your, on your quarter, um, see, you know, when you, you carry a quarter around in your pocket, which nobody does anymore, you know, uh, because it's not worth anything. You know, with a quarter, do you have heads or do you have tails? Yes, you have heads and you have tails, right? That, that where there is faith, there is repentance, and where there is repentance, there is faith. Does that make sense? So sometimes you see faith, sometimes you see repentance. That's fine. Uh, sometimes you see faith and repentance. Uh, but you will always see both those things together in a person who's truly saved. Okay? So uh, let me end it there. Uh, God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. Thank you so much for the gift of your word. Thank you so much for the gift of Jesus going to the cross for our sins. Uh, thank you, God, uh, for the gift of your spirit, uh, for indwelling us and being with us, uh, for sealing us for the day of redemption, uh, for baptizing us into your body, the church. Uh, we're, we're grateful for all of that. God, my prayer is for anyone present today, anyone watching either through YouTube or Facebook, anyone who has not yet called on the name of the Lord to be saved, I pray that this day will be the day that they call on the name of the Lord and are saved. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. You know, in our, uh, in our men's group on Thursday night, uh, we have it at Gary and Joy's home in their backyard, and we uh, spent some time at the end of it closing in prayer with that posture of our palms up on our hands. And it was really, really special and uh, to be praying and hearing the birds chirping. The dog next door said a few, said a few words, too. I'm pretty sure that he was just saying amen in, in his language. But it was really special, and I say that only to say that, you know, what we've been talking about this morning, we are going even deeper into it in our small groups. And so there is a men's group, as I mentioned, that meets on Thursday nights at Gary and Joy's home, and we also have a couple of co-ed groups that are meeting. And I want to encourage you um, to to join one, if, to, one of them if you haven't already. Um, and we've been learning some wonderful things about the Holy Spirit and who He is and what He does. And there's always room for one more person in our group. There's in our groups. There's always uh, an, an empty chair for for you, and it's not too late to join. So you can find out more about these groups if you have our SVC app. You can tap on the groups button, and it'll take you to information about that. And you can also find it at uh, solanovalleyorg connect Carolyn mentioned earlier about meeting tonight for revival prayer, and I just want to reiterate that and remind you one more time. Right here tonight at 6.30, we will be here to worship together and to pray for revival 
here in our, our church and in our community and beyond because it's a work that only God can do, right? So we want to invite him and ask him and pray to him for that to happen. And then finally, we want to, uh, before our closing song, we want to worship God through our giving. And, you know, the Bible teaches us that all that we have comes from him and that we are stewards of what he has entrusted to us. And I want to thank all of you who um, take what God has entrusted to you and faithfully give to the mission of SVC. That mission, of course, being to invite people to follow Jesus. So thank you very much for your faithful giving. There are several different ways that you can for, that you that you can I almost said forgive. Paging Dr. Freud. Um, there are several ways you can forgive, but also several ways you can give. And you can find them on our website at solanovalley.org slash giving. Also by tapping the give button on our app, and we have more up there as well. So let's stand together and let's sing, sing, sing one more time. And I hope to see you back here tonight at 630. One, two, we will sing, 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 and make music with our heaven. We will sing, 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 grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Lift high the name of Jesus. Once more now. We will sing, 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 and make music with the heaven. We will sing, 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 grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Lift high the name of Jesus. What's not to love about you? Heaven and earth adore you. Kings and kingdoms bow down. Son of God, you are the one. You are the one. We live in You are the love that leads us. You are the light that feeds us Like a fire burning Son of God, you are the one You are the one We're living for Cease, And make music with the heavens We will sing, cease, Grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise. Let's hide the name of Jesus. What's not to love about you? Heaven and earth adore you. Kings and kingdoms bow down. Son of God, you are the one. Yes, you are the one. 
Thank you for being here, everyone. Hope to see you back here tonight.